0: Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Hey, as you're coming back in, let me uh, highlight two things. When you click on that QR code, uh, I want to highlight two things that are coming up. One is the business meeting, which will be this week. That's the Wednesday night, the 14th. Uh, I'd love to invite you to come to that. We're going to celebrate history. Um, I don't think I ever would have believed if somebody had told me ahead of time, this is what the Lord is going to do in the middle of a pandemic for the, for, for the church, I would have never believed it. I would not have had that faith. And I'm excited to celebrate that. And then we're going to talk about a lot of our future and fresh vision for where we're going. Uh, and then also you'll see on uh, as one of the announcements listed is LFTI, which is Life for the Innocent. Their, their gala is coming up. And so I want, to, I want you to look at that and dig into that. Uh, Life for the Innocent is a ministry that we have partnered with uh, since our beginning in fact, we started partnering with LFTI before we started doing gatherings, um, because we just really felt like that was a place the Lord called us to invest, and so I want to highlight that for you. It's a virtual gala this year, and um, all that information is on that QR code. All right, let's dive in. We have been in a series called Intel. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to take a look at Psalm 25 and Exodus 33. So we've been working on Intel. If we, if we let me kind of set the backstory. story most of my life and my journey, I would say the one thing that has shaped me the most is building a systematic encounter with God and, be, and building a place to hear God's voice. And it's the thing that I, I actually believe is missing in the church at large at the level it should be. I don't think very many believers would argue, hey, we know God talks and we believe in prayer. But what I see lacking is a, a, a really basic understanding of how to build that, and, and we're jumping off this verse, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him, and with them he shares the secrets of his covenant, which is out of Psalm 25. And, and there's two things that grab onto me in that, and it's number one, that friendship with the Lord is possible. That's the first thing that grabbed onto me when I, when I read this as a young man. I remember where I was at when I read it. I, I worked for Starbucks. And I worked in the Northwest when I was with Pastor Gary. We were out in Washington State. And uh, the Northwest, if you go there in the summertime, it kind of lures you in and like a siren. It's beautiful. And then the rest of the year, it's just gross and rainy. <laughs> and, um, and it's like this weird misty drizzle that it's really not enough rain to do much. It's just, an, it's just too much to be comfortable in. Uh, and so I would sit outside underneath the awnings at Starbucks on my lunch break, and, and I would read through the Psalms, and I would read through the Proverbs. I would read one proverb, the proverb of whatever day it was, so if it was like the seventh of the month, I'd read Proverbs 7, and then I would read five Psalms, and that was my, that was my lunchtime devotion, where I would just sit, and, and I remember where I was sitting when I came across Psalm 25, and that, that word friendship jumped off the page. And I, my first thought was, that has to be a translation issue, that can't be real, because I had been taught, like, you know, it's kind of wrong to approach God as a friend. He's God. He's not your friend. He's God. And so it, ca- it captured me and that, that idea that friendship is possible. So as I began to study and look into it, the, the reality the way that verse is laid out is friendship with the Lord is reserved. This word reserved is so important. It means it's set apart. It means that it is possible, yes, but it is possible to a, a certain few people. Not a certain few people, as in God doesn't want to be friends with all of us, but that he has hidden friendship on the other side of this thing called the fear of the Lord. I'm just going to let that one linger for a second. He's hidden friendship on the other side of fear. Not fear like I'm afraid of God, but fear. And we've talked about this. In our, our, We're working on these fundamental movements of developing and building this encounter. The first one was, let, let his fear govern you. If I say let his fear govern you, it just simply means let the things that matter to him matter to you and live your life like it. If you have an attitude that you know God's against, lay it down. If you have a behavior pattern that you know is contrary to the Lord, you lay it down. And we begin to love and believe and and adhere to the things that matter to him. And this phrase, the secrets of his covenant. This is where we get the word intel from. This is what, what, what the kind of the series is about. This word secrets is, in the Hebrew, it's a word picture, and it's of two people sitting close to each other in proximity on a couch and almost maybe like a love seat. The idea is to lean in close and have to talk with a whisper. I'd love to say it this way. There is unique intelligence available to you and I in this friendship encounter with the Lord that you cannot get anywhere else. And I believe we are to be a people in the marketplace, in our neighborhoods, in, in every, every part of business, schools, all of it. We are to be people that aren't just figuring out how to go through life, but we're actually living with a special edge. We have, a, we, we have an advantage because the voice of the Lord is fresh on our minds. And we know what he's saying. We can take business issues to him. Maybe I'm in business and I don't know where To go and I don't know what to do, and I just push pause and I sit with the Lord and go, hey, what do you want me to do? And I can hear him. It's like playing with a loaded deck. And it's an unfair advantage that is meant to be ours. We are to be a people receiving unique intelligence from heaven. And I know that can sound so mystical, and like we just stepped into like a plot for a sci-fi movie. But this is what the scriptures talk about. That the blessing, the benefit of this life of living in the fear of the Lord and becoming a friend of of God is that he begins to share things with you that are not available outside of him. In Exodus 33, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses. I want to highlight that phrase, the Lord would speak. It wasn't just Moses speaking. And from that, we understand that this is a conversation that was happening. Now, some people say, was it audible? I I have never heard the voice of the Lord audibly. Uh, That's wrong. One time. One time I heard, the, and it was a bad time. (laughs) I said something to the Lord, and his response was, sit down and listen. It wasn't in the tone of voice like, hey, bud, you want to have a conversation? It was in the, like, all the hair stood up on my body, and I sat down. I was in the middle of my living room. I just sat flat on the floor. Like, I was terrified. I had crossed a line. Anybody ever been there before? Moms and dads, you know when your kid crosses the line, crosses the line, and you're like, oh, it is on, let's go. It was that moment with the Lord. That's the only time I've ever heard his voice audibly. Every other time, it's always a still, small whisper. So I don't want us to get hung up on something like that. I just want you to fixate on the reality that God speaks. He wants to talk, and he wants us to know how to hear it and be part of that communication. So inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This word face to face here is panium, and I'm building some history just to remind us, because we had Easter, and we got our eyes so focused on the cross, I'm just bringing it all back together. Pontium is face-to-face. It means that there is for you and for I the reality that God wants to sit and speak to you as a friend. And that first step is let his fear govern you. And the second step we looked at was learn to talk to him. The second fundamental is just learn to talk to him. What do I mean learn to talk to him? You know how some friends... Like most friendships, I think we have to learn to talk to each other, right? You spend time with somebody. I've been stepping into a little bit deeper friendship with a buddy, and I've noticed in in our last four or five times hanging out that I realized, like, there's a lot about this human being's makeup that I didn't know. And the more time I spend with him, the more I'm I'm catching nuance. I'm understanding what he really means when he says stuff. You know what I mean? You, You understand that? Learning to talk with the Lord is a process, and we walked through a bunch of steps on learning that. For me, the, the two most important out of the steps we looked at were um, pick a time and go. Develop a time with God and be there. Be consistent. The second one is write down what you hear. For me, I write my prayers. I share that. How many have, have, taken, this, have taken the risk and tried this in the last couple weeks? Okay, so at the risk of being super embarrassed, how many would, if not for you, me, um, how many would say you've seen some benefit, it's starting to work, you're starting to hear? I think the Lord set this thing up like shooting fish in a barrel. It's, it's set up to succeed, not to fail, because it's in his heart to talk to you. It's his desire to release this intelligence. And while all I'm trying to do is shore up the disciplines that need to be in our life, the spiritual disciplines that have to be in our life for this to work. Fear the Lord. Spend the time talking to him in the third one we're going to look at today. Determine to study him. Determine to study the text. I'm talking about the scriptures. I'm not talking about just reading. And I know this. Nobody in this room is going to go like, reading the Bible is not Right? We all believe reading is right. We all believe the Bible's good. But I'm talking about moving past just reading the Bible to making a decision to studying it. What's the difference? How many have ever read chemistry? Yeah! <laughs> Says the biochem major. Okay, how many, in the, how many understand there's a difference between reading chemistry and studying chemistry to where you know the insides and the outs? My oldest son is a biochem major as well, and his version of chemistry looks like hieroglyphics to me. (laughs) It's on a whiteboard, and I'm like, I have no idea what that is, because he's made the decision to study chemistry at a different level. I'm talking about the decision to study the scriptures to get to know God, and I think we underestimate the power of knowing the scriptures. Studying scriptures hardwired into knowing God and knowing who he is and how he wants us to live. My goal in these disciplines is be a people that walk in the fear of the Lord, be a people that talk to God, and be a people that know the scriptures because that creates people that aren't weird. <laughs> that makes us balanced. Balanced. That means I hear the voice of God, but I also have the biblical mooring to know what the scriptures have already revealed and what they've already said, and so I don't get wonky. If you don't know how to study the scriptures, you could read your Bible, pull a verse, and make it almost mean anything. We have to go beyond that as a people. So this fundamental is, is to determine to study him. It's just really rooted in the idea that I think, his, I think the scripture is an indispensable tool in getting to know God. And knowing how to hear God. Psalm 119 says this. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you look at that verse and you really consider it, there's two light phrases given. One is a lamp unto my feet. How many have ever gone on a night hike? How many know night hikes are easier when the moon is out? <laughs> Why? Why? Because it lights your path. You can see down the way. You can see if there's a four-legged creature that looks kind of fat and furry up in the front of you. <laughs> How many have done that, though, without a, without a headlamp or without a flashlight? You, don't you need something close to you to help you navigate the really close stuff? Otherwise, you trip over a root, or you trip over a rock, or you, you might kind of wander off the trail. So we understand that navigating life correctly requires proximity light and it requires distance light. This is what Psalm is saying. Your word, O God, is both a proximity light to me and a distance light for me. It teaches me how to navigate the now and it teaches me where to go for the future. But most of us would agree with that. We'd be like, yeah, the Bible's important. The problem is I don't think very many of us study it. Paul will say it this way in Timothy. Study, say that word with me, study, Study. to show yourself approved, a faithful workman able to rightly divide the word and truth. Study to show, okay, so here's, I want to break down what I want to highlight. It wasn't a suggestion. It is Paul's statement to disciples, I want you to study the scriptures. I want you to dig into them and get to know them, and so we have it now as a mandate and I want to move us past the place where we treat these things like fun ideas that would be a cool thing to add to our life. And we take them as a responsibility before the Lord that we must develop. In Psalm 119, if we go back to this it says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. There's a bigger issue at play here. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. So fearing the Lord means I'm learning to live like he wants me to live and I'm walking in alignment with what he's calling me to do. So how can I fear the Lord if I don't know the scriptures, if the scriptures are the very thing that will keep me from sinning against him? Tracking with that? The scriptures help me know how to follow him and help me know how to walk in the fear of the Lord. My goal is to move us past concept into practicum. Because I think knowing the scriptures teaches me how to live as His friend. Anybody ever offended somebody and you didn't know it, or you didn't know why? You knew you offended them, but you had no idea why. I think it's easy to offend the Spirit of God at times when we don't know the scriptures, because we natively do, we do things we didn't even know were wrong. And I love how gentle the Lord is. He'll pull back a step. Not out of anger, just out of, I'm going to give you room to figure that out. But my heart is that we become a people that live this. And so, I want to encourage you to develop a simple plan and process for studying the scriptures. I'm going to give you mine as a Genesis point. It's not that mine is the only one. I'm just going to, I go back to the book of Acts where uh, Peter's walking down the street and somebody comes and says, hey, will you give me... Some money. And Peter stops and says, I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I have. So my point in this is I'm just going to give you what I know. The first step in, in developing a decent study process to really begin to dive into the text is you got to embrace a systematic reading schedule. I don't care what it is. It could be as simple as, hey, the church is studying the book of Colossians right now, so I'm just going to read through Colossians while we're studying it. That's fine. That works. There is a plethora of opportunities online. Uh, You can go to the Bible app. There's all kinds of places, but I want you to develop a systematic reading schedule. Why? Because otherwise, you will just do Bible roulette where you randomly just go to find a passage, and it doesn't ingest the same way. The systematic study allows us to get into a passage, get into a book, understand the concept, understand the context, because now we're we're starting to go through the whole process together, and it's just a good idea. So follow a readily available plan. I I forgot the big premise about, so you know how to understand this teaching. Say this with me. This is not not. rocket Rocket. science. Science. Nothing I'm going to share is that big of an idea. The difference is doing it. Moving it out of concept into reality. So develop a systematic reading schedule. Embrace one. If you're an overachiever, you're like, I'm going to come up with my own. Great. If you start in Genesis, you're going to do awesome until you get to Leviticus. And then you're going to be bored out of your ever-loving mind because you don't have enough context yet to understand why Leviticus is awesome. And Leviticus is awesome if it's understood right. But if it's not, wow, it's tough reading. It is a killer way to go to sleep at night, though. I don't want you to lose sight of the point. The point, if you get off track in a reading program, here's the danger. Some people will go through this reading program and they'll they'll check off their days with the little boxes and they check off their days and then they miss two or three days. And then the first movement is, I gotta catch up. And then they can't catch up and then shame kicks in. They're like, forget it, I failed again. The point of this is not to make it through the schedule. The point of this is to get to know the king. So we read the scriptures because we wanna know him, not because we're trying to achieve something. I have friends that read through the Bible every year. I'm not one of those guys. I don't feel shamed by them. I'm proud of them. I just don't read that way. I will sit in the same passage for weeks. Because I just want to, for me, I want to understand it before I move on. I'm not a a very gifted reader. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that reads slow and has to follow with my finger. But I remember what I read. If I read it fast, I don't remember a thing. So I just had to settle in my heart... Greg Sanders is going to have to go pretty slow through the scriptures. And I write lots of notes. I just passed on one of my old Bibles to my youngest son. And he's just laughing because hes it's, just, it's ink everywhere. Because I would see something and be like, oh, that was awesome. I'd write it down. And he's like, you remember when you wrote this? I'm like, no, I don't remember. It was 20 years ago. I don't remember what I wrote. But it's okay to go slow. Don't lose sight of why you're doing it. The second... Part of developing a good study habit with the Lord is invest in memorization. Invest in memorization. See, David will say, I hide the word in my heart so I won't sin against you. Memorizing the scripture is how we hide it in our heart. I don't geek out over, I missed an uh and I missed a the. The. What I care about knowing is the concept in the scripture, to be able to, to recite it, to be able to talk about it at a level that, that, that it makes sense to me. Invest in memorization. I know that's so simple. It's so easy. Think about memorization. Memorization is about honoring what someone said. It brings honor to the one who said it. We're repeating it because it mattered. So, so it's this honor idea to the Lord. Start simple. That's the first thing. Memorize scripture. Start simple. Say this with me: Jesus, Jesus wept. wept. Good job. You just memorized scripture. Shortest verse of the Bible. I'm not trying to make light of it. I want you to understand. In in Luke chapter four, there's something very important that happens. Jesus gets baptized in Luke 4. He comes to the Jordan River. Heaven thunders and it says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it says immediately, following that, the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. It says for 40 days and for 40 nights he was in the wilderness and he did not eat and he was hungry. And in this entire story, the enemy will come to him and tempt him over and over and over again, what does Jesus use every single time the enemy tempts him to fight the enemy? Scripture. scripture. It comes out of him. He wasn't carrying a scroll. Hey, push, pause, time out a second. I need to lay this thing out. I know it's in here somewhere. There's a verse about this. I gotta look it up. No, it had hidden in him. He'd understood it. He had ingested it. He had spent time in it, so it was part of who he was. So in the moment when he needed it, it could be called on. This is why we memorize Scripture. Because in the moment we need it, it brings strength and fortification and it leads us. There's a Jewish concept. This is how the rabbis would would memorize scripture. They would take a simple phrase, a verse, a sentence, and they would mull over it all day long, reciting it, talking about it, pondering it. Having conversations with with each other about it. Why? Just to fixate their attention on just a simple idea. And this is one of the ways we memorize. Don't try to get crazy big. My cousin in Bible college, my cousin Calvin, decided he he memorized the entire book of Romans and could honestly just start there and just start talking and and just read you Romans like he was reading it on a page. He's an overachiever. (laughs) The point of it is ingesting it. Can you imagine anything more honoring to our Father than if we say, you know what, I'm just going to hold the Scriptures with such sacred regard that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to find an idea each day and I'm going to chew on it and ponder it. It's going to be the thing I think about. And all day long, it's going to keep my eyes on you. The third thing, and we're going to do a little bit of a tutorial in this, and it's really because I think most of us would say, yeah, studying the Scriptures is awesome, but a lot of us just don't know how to do it. I want us to talk about word study. I want to, the third one is develop the discipline of word study. If we look at word study, what does that phrase mean? It's the discipline to understand what a word meant in the original language to the original hearer. We're talking about a biblical principle of interpretation, a linguistics or a hermeneutics principle is what they would call it in, in Bible school. And the principle is this. I cannot apply a meaning to a verse that the original hearer couldn't have applied. So I have to know what it said to the original hearer in order to understand how to apply it correctly to my life. And it wasn't written in English the first time. So you'll hear me talk a lot when, when, in teaching about a, what a word meant in the Greek or what a word meant in the Hebrew. And I want to show you how to learn that. Just a really incredibly practical way to do it. There's a website that I use. There's a ton of resources available. You could buy stuff. There's there's really expensive programs. I use a free one called studylight.org. S-T-U-D-Y-L-I-G-H-T, studylight.org. Think about the concept of we're going to study the light of God. That's all it means, studylight.org. So I'm going to have Thatch throw that up really quick, and we're going to take a look at it. So we've talked about Psalm 91 a lot here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is Psalm 91. It's a Psalm of Moses. So we're going to type Psalm 91 here. Okay, this is studylight.org. Hey, uh, Study Light is a free website, which means Google Ads are part of it. So good luck. You'll see a lot about what you browse if you do that. <laughs> Go to Psalm 91. Across the top bar, you'll see it says read chapter, listen to audio, view context, multi-translation And interlinear Bible. Interlinear Bible is where we go to find original language cues. So we click on interlinear, and it pops up in a different window. And each one of these words now will highlight. So he who dwells, the word dwells, we'll click on that. The word dwells here. It's going to bring up some lexicons and some concordances over here on the right. It's going to bring up the original word, which is the Strong's number here, 3427. It's the word "yeshab." If we had that computer connected to audio, we would click on it. It will even tell you how to say it correctly. It tells you it's a primitive root, which means it's not derived from another word. And then we look at the definition, and it says here, this word dwells means to dwell, remain, sit, or abide. And there's all of these subset ways it's used in other places. One of them is nephal, which means to be inhabited. We go down to strongs here, which is a concordance. It just means it properly means to sit down. In quiet. I love this phrase that's here. Implication is to dwell or to remain, to be settled. Okay, so we go back to he who dwells. The word he here, because it doesn't have a specific word. It, you, you click If you scroll over it, it won't highlight what it means, it's to be understood as that person. So it's not a, it's not a gender-specific word. It, it's, it's what just means to the person who chooses to do this. Well, what? To dwell, to go sit, to go. So we un, just this first word gives us an indication of this verse is talking about a person that goes and makes a regular, systematic time of doing something. What is it that they're doing? They're dwelling in the shelter. This word shelter, if we highlight that. The word shelter, we go back to the the Browns and driver again, it's a covering, it's a shelter, it's a hiding place, secrecy. The first definition will always be the most dominant ideas through the text. We go down to Strong's, it tells us it's derivative of 5641, it's from a different word, so sometimes I'll click on those to see what they mean, but in this instance, we don't need to, just it means a covering. Or a hiding place. So instantly now we know this verse is talking about the person who who makes the choice to inhabit or settle or come to rest in a secret place. Secrecy requires what? Aloneness, secrecy. Here's what I would say. It doesn't happen in King (laughs) Supers. What am I driving at? this is giving us a picture because we know the context. It's about he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. So it's talking about getting alone with God. It's not talking about saying, hey, you know what, I was hanging out in in, in King Super's the other day, getting groceries and just having my time with Jesus. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I want to debunk that and say what what this scripture is talking about is actually going and finding a place to hole away and get alone with the Lord to where it's just you and him and there's nobody else around. And i love the rest of it if we don't have time for it, but we could just go through the systematic process of the rest. The most high, this is, this is a word that literally, it's translated as the Almighty, and it means the, the strongest and most powerful in authority. If you think about that, you and I have been invited to sit with the supreme ruler of the universe, the one who made it all. There is no higher authority, which means nothing we go through is beyond his scope because he's over all of it. We've been invited to be friends with that one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We could go through and study it more, but I'll give it to you what it means, because my point is to hopefully whet your appetite to go, I want to dig in and know what verses mean more. The shadow of the Almighty was a picture of the ark. It had, they had seraphim, that were over top of the ark with their wings, and the wings would create a shadow. What this verse is talking about is the person who makes this decision to go do this is actually going to be where the presence of God is. The fourth thing we developed the discipline of word study, and I hope you just try it. Don't knock it till you try it, please. Go dig in and, and, and start to really study it and ingest it. But the fourth thing is always study with a focus on personal application. It's arrogant to look into the mirror of Scripture without a desire to be changed and without a desire to grow. Don't ever read it Passively. Go at the scriptures with a desire to change because application is the natural outworking of humility. So I want you to learn to ask some questions. I'm going to give them to you. There's six of them. How does what you read just apply in action? What does it look like if I live that out? What does it look like if someone lives that out? Where in your personal life does it apply? do I need to change because of what I just read? This is my favorite one. Learn to repent without others needing to tell you to. (laughs) Learn to let the scriptures lead you into repentance. When you see it and you're like, ooh, I'm off there, that's the moment you're like, Lord, would you please have mercy on me, forgive me. If something has highlighted and you're like, ooh, I got to go fix something with so and so, go do it without somebody needing to tell you. When you're confused about a scripture, ask the Holy Spirit's perspective. Remember, not rocket science. And always be willing to put your new understanding into immediate action. There's nothing more honoring to the king than when we come across the truth and we're like, I am now going to live that. Stand with me, please. I know it's not rocket science, and my goal is to, I want so much to strip this down so simple to where all of us come out of this series and go, I can do those things. Those are really easy. Here's what I know. I do know this, that it's in his heart more than it's in our heart to connect with us. There's nothing that honors him more than a people who walk around in the fear of the Lord, hearing his voice and knowing the scriptures. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We ask that your face would shine upon us. Holy Spirit, would you put emphasis on the things that that need to be emphasized for each of us uniquely? Would you match every passionate movement towards you with a passionate movement towards us? Would you just draw us into this life? We want to be a people that hear your voice and know you. And we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.